The Bible is a collection of many ancient Israelite scrolls. And together, they're telling one unified story. Now, if you look at the second scroll, Exodus, you'll find two important sentences. They're actually so important that they're referenced and requoted over 20 more times within the Bible itself. It must be important. What does it say? Yahweh, Yahweh, that's God's name, a God compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, overflowing with loyal love and faithfulness. I can see why it's repeated so often. These attributes of God are really lovely. And the statement goes on. He maintains loyal love for thousands, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin. Yet he won't declare innocent the guilty. He will bring the iniquities of the fathers upon the children and grandchildren to the third and the fourth. Okay, hold on. This last part takes a bit of a turn. We're first talking about God's love, and suddenly it's about his judgment on grandkids. So is God merciful or vengeful? Yeah, great question. Let's see these words in a larger context by looking at something important in Genesis, the first scroll of the Bible. There, God chooses one family, the Israelites, from among the nations, and he promises that he's going to rescue the whole world through this family somehow. And Genesis ends with the family of Abraham in Egypt. Then the book of Exodus begins, and this book has two large movements. Right, okay, so this first movement of Exodus, God rescues Israel from slavery in Egypt. And in the second movement, God leads them to Mount Sinai, where they camp out for a year. And God invites this whole nation into a partnership called a covenant, so that they can be shaped by his values and character. And represent God to all the other nations. Exactly. Now this whole Mount Sinai movement in Exodus can be broken up into four literary units. First, there's the actual ceremony where the Israelites agree to be God's partners. And God sets up the terms of the relationship, starting with the 10 commandments. The first two are, don't give your allegiance to other gods and don't make any idle images of God. Seems simple enough. After that, God shows Moses detailed blueprints for building this sacred home so that God can come and live among them. Oh, right. And then comes a really long narrative about the building of that sacred home. But you missed something. Right in between these sections is the story that has our description about God's character. The story begins with Moses going up on the mountain, writing down the partner agreement as the Israelites are at the base of the mountain, violating the first two commands. That's ridiculous. They're breaking the covenant vows while the ceremony is still going on. Yes. And so God is hurt and angry, and he warns Moses that this betrayal will keep on happening. God is ready to call it quits. But what about his promise to rescue the world through them? Yeah, exactly. This is what Moses brings up. And so what is God going to do? Should he end the partnership, which would be fair? Or will he be faithful to his promise to Abraham and show them mercy? Yeah, exactly. Now, look back at the words that we began with and you'll see they're about this very tension between God's mercy and his justice. Okay, so the statement opens like this. A God compassionate and gracious. In Hebrew, this line has three words that rhyme. El Rahum the Chanun. And the line overflowing with loyal love and faithfulness matches the first, as it also has three Hebrew words. Rav Chesed the Emet. Each of those lines have two attributes of God, and they surround a fifth attribute, that God is slow to anger. Right. Now, that's the first half of this description of God. Then comes the second half. God maintains loyal love for thousands. And 
How is he going to remain loyal to people who keep rebelling against him? By forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin. Uh, but God's forgiveness doesn't mean people can just do whatever they want. Right. God's mercy is balanced in what follows. Yet he won't declare innocent the guilty. He'll bring the iniquities of the fathers upon the children and grandchildren to the third and the fourth. The third and the fourth what? Well, it's referring to generations of people who repeat their ancestors' rebellion against God. They'll get what they deserve. But notice, this small number of generations contrasts that massive number up above. God's loyal love to thousands. Right. And then check this out. God's forgiveness of iniquity in this line is contrasted with his justice on iniquity in this line. Okay, and all those lines are surrounding a central line here about God's justice. He will not declare innocent the guilty. So while God is slow to anger, he is also just. Right. This is the tension that these two sentences are exploring. How does a faithful and loyal God deal with such a rebellious people? This is the challenge God faces in this story, and it's the same challenge he faces in the whole biblical story as he works to rescue the world through this family. With that in mind, we can take a closer look at these five attributes that God declares about himself to Moses. A God compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, overflowing with loyal love and faithfulness. And we'll see how each one leads us deeper into the character of God and into the story of the Bible. Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Um, now, do you understand everything? Are you good to go? Let's just go home. Like, yeah, that was great. Great video from the Bible Project. And uh, here is some encouragement for you. Oh, we're going to do it again. Uh, but some of the things, if you want, this is a great uh, a piece that comes out of the uh, YouVersion Bible app, the character of God. And we're going to actually be using a lot of this as we move through this uh, this series. It'll be great. So, But uh, it's great to have you here today. Uh, welcome to everybody who is online as well with us today. Good to have you. My name is Sean, one of the pastors on the team, and we're ready to jump in. You ready to go? Yes. All right. So we've read the Word of the Lord through Bible Project, so let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the clarity of your Word. It's your Word that we need because it's there where you communicate to us what we need. And I ask today, Holy Spirit, that you would reveal the things that you would like to teach to us today. I give you thanks for this time, and I ask for the preparation that has been made to this moment, but that you would now speak to us as you only can. And so I give you thanks for who you are, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Well, we're ready to jump in today, and we're going to begin a brand new series called The Character of God. And if you have not done this yet, um, as you've heard us refer to it, we're in 21 days of prayer and fasting. How many of you have been having a good time so far with the prayer and the fasting? It is stretching in many ways, but we are believing that when we do this, God is going to move in certain ways through 2022. How many of you are excited that 2021 is gone? Anybody? Like, you were like, that was so crazy. And yet, here's 2022, and guess what? It's going to be crazy. <laughs> but this is what we decided to do. That in all of the craziness that is around us, why would we focus on the crazy, but instead focus on the one who is in control of it all anyway? 
right? And so this year for 2022, we are starting off with this series, The Character of God, because we're going to set our eyes on the one who is able to see us through 2022. Can I get an amen from somebody today on that? Because this is where we're going to be going with our New Year's focus. On November 29th of 2003, my life was forever changed, and it was the birth of my son. And uh, it's very interesting because through the um, leading to him coming to Lisa and I, and I also have a daughter, I don't want her to feel bad too, but uh, I have my daughter, but my son in particular, because this was the first, I spent months scouring the internet, scouring the Bible to find a name that was suitable for my son. Because I, I know this is that names have significance, do they not? And in fact, every time when we come to a baby dedication on this stage, we ask the parents, what does the name of your child mean? What's the significance? Because we understand that there is significance in names. And I wanted to have the name for my son. And so I, I finally landed on this name. Uh, and his name is Jakin. In the Hebrew, it's Yachin. Go ahead and try that guttural spit, but don't spit on anybody. There's this thing called COVID around. Anyway, uh, Yachin, Jakin, came from 1 Kings chapter 7, verse 21, and it was, it was instructing the blueprints that God had given to Moses to the temple of the Lord. There were two pillars. One was named Boaz, one was named Yachin. And I didn't like Boaz. <laughs> so if your name is Boaz, I love you. But it was Yachin. It stood out to me. And here's why. Because the name Yachin, Jakin in English, it means he establishes and strength. I wanted to place on my son a name of that much significance that God would establish Jakin Chapman that people would come to know Jesus because of Jake and Chapman. And then we found a great name, Anea, for our daughter. And we have a great name for her in that she is God's rose. That when she comes into a room, that her personality could light up a place. And so names have significance for us today. We have to understand that names are that critical to what we're about to do today. To be labeled with a name carries much weight to it, correct? In fact, how many of you have been called a good name before, right? And how does it make you feel when someone says something nice about you or even just acknowledges not, hey guy or hey girl, but says your name? Or the opposite is true. Have you ever been called a bad name? And the label that that places and the significance that it weighs upon you. So names are important. And to start this series, The Character of God, I want to lean in first to the name of God. And so let me ask you, what's the name of God? You know, some of you are probably thinking in your head, well, duh, Sean, you just said it. It's God, right? But we act like the English word God is a common denominator, but it is not. When we talk about God, we are all over the map with this identity. And in fact, what I, what I would like to um, challenge us with today is to observe this name. A.W. Tozer says this, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. 
So let me ask you the question. When you hear the name God, what is the first thing that comes to your mind? And whether you will answer that here under your breath or you're online and want to type it into the chat, when you hear the name God, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Because it may actually be the most important thing about how you view him. Some of us would say that there's one God. Many will contend that there's many. Is this God personal or is he impersonal? Is God good or is he evil? Does God have different names associating with different people groups that are around the world? Some of us will look at God and we'll think of him as an angry God so that we live scared with what's about to happen. Some of us are hurt in our lives and we think that God did it. So he's a hurtful type of a God. You may feel today like you're forgotten. And so you must think that maybe God has totally kind of pieced out in your life and he doesn't even care about you. And some of us, we actually think that God is just the cool dad, you know, and I could do whatever I want to do. So we have all of these perspectives, but I love best um, what happens with this next quote. And before I get there, yesterday in our, in our reading plan as a church, our Bible reading plan, we landed in the Genesis account of the creation story. Beautiful story how God created the heavens and the earth and everything within it. And because of that act, you and I get to be here today. But Mark Twain said this, God created man in his own image. And man being a gentleman, return the favor. <laughs> Let me ask you again, what do you think about who God is? What do you think about with his name? Like, am I trying to make God in my own image? Or will I understand that I've been made in his image? Exodus chapter 33, 34, which is where we're going to spend our time in this series, has actually been one of my most favorite portions of scripture my whole entire life. It, it happens to be so because of the guy that's in the story, God, but Moses, Moses is one of my most intriguing characters in the Bible. As a teenager, when I was going one way, God decided to knock on the door of my heart one day at a camp, and he said, Sean, you're not going that way anymore. You're going to go this way. And so I was going into pastoral ministry suddenly, and here we are today. But it was here where God downloaded these chapters into who I was. And these chapters have become a personal philosophy of ministry for me, when I look at what I'm supposed to do with my pastoral ministry. The relationship that I saw with Moses is one that I craved. It's a, it's a relationship that I desire. Moses' tenacity to go in front of the presence of the Lord to lead a people and all of the things that he does, that was something that I desired. It was something that I sought after. And although our video kind of focused in on the two verses, of Exodus 34, verses 6 and 7. It really begins in verse 5, and I would like to read that to you today just so that we can get a context. So just before God reveals his character to Moses, this is what he says. It says, Then the Lord came down in a cloud, and he stood there with Moses, and he called out his own name, Yahweh. And then the Lord passed in front of Moses, calling out, which we're going to get to in a moment. 
You see, it was in that moment where Moses experienced the character of God. God was not just giving him a lecture at the moment. He was allowing Moses to tangibly feel, sense and know what the character of God was going to be all about. But I find it very interesting in this text that Moses doesn't give a description of the event of God coming down in this cloud. Like if God came to you today in a cloud, would you not tell somebody about it? Would you not give the details of what it felt like in the spidey senses tingling all over you? Would you not give a description? But guess what? Moses does not give us that description. All he does is he tells us what God says. Why? Because Moses preaches about God because nothing else matters. I love this about Moses. He brings the attention to the one who is worthy, not his feelings about it, but to God. And this is where God begins to reveal to this Moses character, and he starts with his name. You are going to understand a lot of names about God. You're going to hear a lot of names in the Christian culture. But in its original context is where we're going today. This is the original name of God. And I believe that it is a name that perhaps has lost its luster in our society. And I want to bring us back to the name. Now, names are revelatory of the nature of a person, aren't they? And so I would like to do a history lesson. So for the next couple of minutes, I'm going to confuse you to death, but hopefully not. But we're going to do a little bit of a history lesson because um, through the help of different commentators and authors and speakers, I'm going to compile just a little bit of history to show you where this name of God has come to as God stands in front of Moses in a cloud and says, I am this name. And so to do that, I'm going to start with a particular gentleman, and his name is John Mark Comer. You see, there is a progression of God's identity in the Bible. Right away in Genesis chapter 1, we are told that the very first identification of what we would call in our English language God is that he is creator. He is the creator. This is his name. This is his identity. And then we fast forward a few more chapters where he stands in front of this gentleman whose name is Abraham. And Abraham is taken out of modern-day Iraq, and he is placed in modern-day Israel. This was his home. God says, this is now your home, and it is here where I am going to establish the Israeli people forever. And Abraham, it's because of you and your family that I am going to show up and do this in. And God comes to Abraham in explanation mode, and he says, maybe you have known me as your dad's 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 identity of creator, but here you go. This is what's going to happen for you right now, Abraham. My name here for you, though, is El Shaddai. And it means that it is God Almighty. Now, interesting point about this word that you see on the screen. The word El was the God of the Canaanite people. So Abraham coming into this land, he knew that all of these other people had their own God, 
But then God reveals himself as, I'm not just El. I'm not just like these Canaanite gods that you see around you. He says that I am El Shaddai. I am the almighty God. I am greater than El and the gods that are around you in these different cultures. I am El Shaddai. And Abraham understood in the language what was happening. And then we get to our Exodus text. And this is where God now comes down in this cloud and he stands in front of Moses. And I gotta tell you, from the moment the word creator happened to this moment where God stands with Moses is about 2,500 years. This is a long time. Now God comes and he stands in front of Moses and actually the story picks up in the early book of Exodus and this is what happens there. God comes to Moses and he says, I see my Israeli people, they are in bondage and slavery in Egypt. Perhaps you've heard this story of this Pharaoh, this dictator who had all of the Israelites and they were locked into captivity. This is that story. Now God comes and he pulls Moses out of the wilderness and he's like, Mo, I got some news for you. You're about to lead my people out of Egypt. And Moses is like, oh, no, you're not. <laughs> you know, have you ever had one of those moments with God? He's telling you to do something. You're like, nope, nope. And they go through this verbal exchange back and forth, back and forth. And they're just having it out. And finally, God is like, okay, dude, enough is enough. I am going to use you in this moment. So what are you going to do about it? And then the story for, for us today is going to go back into Exodus chapter 3 because it is there where finally after a little bit of relenting on Moses' part, Moses decides, okay, you're going to be this persistent with me, God. I got to ask you one question, just one question. And Moses' question from Exodus chapter 3, verse 13, says this. If I'm going to do this, here's the question. What is his name? Mashamo. Moses asked one question. Mashamo. That's the Hebrew for what is his name. Moses is like, if I'm going to do this, you got to give me something. So what is this all about? Mashamo. And this is different, though, than walking up to a stranger on the street today or in a modern-day slavery camp in Egypt, for that matter, and asking this, me, Shimka, who is your name? A little bit different. What Moses is doing is not asking me, Shimka. Moses asks, Ma Shemo. This is what Moses is asking God. He is saying, what is the meaning of your name? What is the significance of your name? Hey, what makes you, you? Moses is not asking for a label like Jacob or Boaz or Sean. Moses is asking to this deity, who are you and what are you like? To which this El Shaddai responds in a new way to him and in the very following verse, he says to Moses, okay, you ask Mashimo, let me give it to you. And God says this about his name, the original name. And he says, I am who I am. Go ahead, turn to a neighbor and pronounce the Hebrew underneath it. Let's see what happens with that. 
<laughs> I'm just impressed that you tried. Like, like let's be honest. Now, li listen, let's do this. <laughs> yeah, it's Canadian, all right. One way, one way to translate this Hebrew phrase is this. So when God says, I am who I am, this is what he is saying. Whatever I am, I will be. Consistently, unshifting, and stable. God is revealing to Mo, I am who I am. And I will always be there for you. There will be good moments of love, and there's going to be moments of justice. There's going to be moments of peace, and there's going to be moments of chaos. But guess what? In the middle of it all, I'm going to be. And so I'm sure Moses is like, oh, that's really convincing, but something happens. And Moses is like, okay, let's do it. A couple of verses later off of verse 14 and verse 16, then God comes to Moses one more time and he says this to him. And I think this is, a, this is awesome. He goes, now go and call together all of the elders of Israel and tell them the YHWH is going to go before them. Really? Like, God, you just told me a couple moments ago your, your name was I am who I am. And now you're telling me just verses later, moments later, your name is YHWH. And this is where the story gets a little confusing. So stick with me here for a moment because in ancient Hebrew, Hebrew there were no vowels in the written language. I mean, go home today and find an English sentence and remove all of the vowels from it and give it to somebody you love and tell them to say it back to you. Try it out. This was the Hebrew language. No vowels whatsoever. And so this is where we actually see God's name in the Y-H-W-H. It is here where we learn a Greek phrase called a tetragrammaton, which is a term that simply means a four-letter word. This name of God, Y-H-W-H, is a four-letter word. But this is how God decided to reveal himself to Mo. But the interesting part about the Y-H-W-H is this, is that it is the exact same root word in the Hebrew language as I am who I am. You see, when God reveals to Moses first in verse 13 or in verse 14 of chapter 3, he says, I am who I am. What is happening in that moment is God is revealing his identity in the first person. And a couple verses later, when he tells Moses to now go tell the people, he says to them, this is what they will call me. Y-H- W H and he gives it to us in the third person. This name was so sacred. It was very important to the Israeli culture and to its people. And they never wanted to do anything poor or wrong with that name 
because of the Ten Commandments that God had already downloaded. You'll have no other gods before me. And the one in particular that they spent a lot of time on was this, this uh, moment of that you should not take the Lord's name in vain. Like if you did that, it was like punishment was going to come your way. And so they feared even pronouncing the name of God wrong, and they feared even spelling the name of God wrong. And through a couple of centuries of time, we land in the sixth century. This is a long way from actually where Moses and God are together, but in the sixth century, that divine name, YHWH, was increasingly regarded to become so sacred that they decided to not use that word anymore. And so what happened in that sixth century is we were introduced to this word called Adonai. And the word Adonai actually means Lord. Again, as the culture shift over time and different languages come into play, this is what we begin to see. So you see our YHWH at the very bottom. This is the original name of God. And then we see what we have done through the centuries and we turned it to Adonai. And then what happened is you will see, because in the Hebrew language there are no vowels in play, you see the amalgamation of both of those words and it produces the name in the middle. And that name is called Yahweh. This may be a name that you are familiar with. Maybe it's a name that you've sung about or spoken. But this is where we land on this name, Yahweh. Keep this picture up there because this is important for us as well. Then in the 16th century, the Latin culture decided to show up and they didn't like the name Yahweh because of different pronunciations. In fact, I want you to see this too because in the Hebrew language, it's very difficult sometimes to pr pronounce the Y and so the Y is turned to a J and then the W is hard to pronounce in their language and so it turns itself into a V to now which we get the word Yahweh, but from the Latin, Jehovah. Heard this name before? You get these names of God. Question, anybody confused yet? Anybody want to be Hebrew, Greek, or Latin? Because this is what we are looking at in this. But in our English translations, this is how we land on the word Lord. In your modern day Bibles, you will see the word Lord everywhere. In fact, that's what God does in Exodus chapter 3 in my Bible, New Living Translation. Tell them the Lord. In fact, in our text of Exodus 34, verses 6, it should read Yahweh, Yahweh, but most of our Bibles will read Yahweh the Lord. Again, don't get lost in the semantics of it all, but what I want us to see is how, do, how have we landed on some of these words that bring us here? Now, this is why this matters today. And uh, the term Lord, when you think about it, is more of a title, right? I mean, think about this. If you go back to the Roman Empire, they would make this declaration, Caesar is Lord. I mean was like where i'm landing with this though like again is it's a title but what was his name caesar maybe you've made this statement before jesus is lord i mean it's still a title to him but what's his name jesus 
And, and, and it's okay to call him Lord. There's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. What we are contending for today is getting back to the original name that God presents to Moses. And he says that his name is Y-H-W-H, which we know today as Yahweh or Jehovah. In day one of our prayer and fasting initiative, Pastor Tyson placed into our prayer guide, and if you have not picked up the prayer guide, you gotta go onto our webpage and get it digitally, or there's a few copies in the back, as well as if you wanna get involved with our daily reading, Bible reading plan, there are paper copies in the back today, but you can get all of that online. But on day one, we started with this name, Yahweh and Jehovah. And Yahweh and Jehovah means the existing one. I am who I am. This is what God is trying to communicate to Moses. This is what God is trying to communicate to us today. I have a name and it's Yahweh. And I would love for you to know that about me. God communicates this name to Moses and to us. And what God is doing as he gives us his name is he is saying to you and I today, I'm not an impersonal force here. Like I am somebody who wants to have a relationship with you. And I gotta tell us today that exploring the question of what is God is one of the greatest, most important things that you and I can do in this life. And in this text, God reveals some incredible truths to us today. Can I read it over us again one more time? I'm gonna read it in its original language, but not Hebrew. It says, Yahweh, Yahweh, the God of compassion and mercy. I'm slow to anger. Are you thankful that he's slow to anger today? Oh my goodness. And I'm filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity. Are you thankful for that forgiveness today? Oh man. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin, but I do not excuse the guilty. See, when you and I are guilty, it's not that he's gonna get you, but he's gonna deal with you because he is a just God as well. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children and great-grandchildren, and the entire family is affected. Parents, be smart. It will affect others to the third and fourth generations. See, when I look at this text, I see a couple of very important things for us when it comes to the character of God and understanding his name today. Number one is this, that God is a person. He is a relational being. And guess what? He wants a relationship with you. It doesn't get any better than that. Many gods in many different cultures and religions, and I'm not speaking against anybody, but you gotta do a lot of things to get to that. And this God wants to come and he wants to have a relationship with you because he's personable. He wants you to be in relationship with him. The second thing that I see is that God wants you to experience who he is. Comes down in a cloud, stands in front of Moses and he allows Moses to experience him. And I'm here to tell you today that God wants you to experience Him in a very powerful way. 
when God was revealing himself in the first person, I am who I am. This is the third point that I want you to walk away with today. God is saying to you and I today that whatever I am, I will be. I'm gonna be consistent to you. I'm gonna be unshifting. I'm gonna be stable. I'm gonna be your 24-7. I don't know about you, but that's somebody that I want in my life. And the idea that God presents his name, this is who I am. And then he begins to download his character as to what you'll get. That's the helpful tool there. Because he's going to offer some of us in days this incredible love. And then he's going to bring his mercy and his justice. There's going to be days when he is going to be slow to anger with you. And then there are going to be days when he's going to move swiftly because he sees the trajectory that you're going on. But no matter what position you may be in, this is the point that you have to see. He's still stable and consistent to whatever you're going to do, to whatever I'm going to do. I love this about God. But he today declares to you and I, his name is Yahweh, Jehovah. Am I allowed to call him all those other names? El Shaddai, Father, Abba, Lord, yes. Call him all of those things. All I'm calling us back to today is to look at his original name because this is how he identified himself. See, when you know the name and you know the meaning of the name, it makes a ton of difference for us. So over these next few weeks, we will unpack Ma Shemo. Who are you? What is Yahweh like? And we're going to look at the character of God, which is so uniquely tied to his name. What was his name? Yahweh. Say it with me. Yahweh or Jehovah. I told you that a name matters, and his name is Yahweh. Will you pray with me today? Yahweh, Yahweh, we love you. And I thank you today that you invite us to this beautiful relationship with you. You're not somebody who is far off. You're a personable God. And you want us to know today that you are going to be consistent, stable, and faithful. Our 24-7. The experience of all of that is that we have to trust you with these moments. To understand in both the good and the bad and the choices that I make in my life, you'll still be consistent. And you're going to allow your character to minister to wherever I am in my life. So whether good or bad, up or down, you're there. And I know we're walking into a brand new year, 2022. Still a lot of uncertainty. Still a lot of things that we're a little bit afraid of. But may we not lose the emphasis of your name today. Whatever I am, I will be. And you are the one who is in charge. You're the one who is in control. And I pray for my friends today that may be wavering in that truth. That you will allow them today to come back to you in a posture of humility and to call your name Yahweh. And allow the character of who you are to shape the way I think, the way we think, to your glory. I also pray for 
people who are listening, whether online or in the room today, and maybe they have never submitted their life to you, Yahweh. I ask that today would be one of those days where they would enter into that journey and to see that you are a God who has an amazing character about him and that they could submit their lives to you simply by saying, I need you, Yahweh. I recognize my sin, but I also see that you forgive my sin and that you're a God of unfailing love, so you can love me. And I ask Jesus that today you would enter into that relationship with individuals. And so I ask that as we walk into this week that you will give us a good one. I ask that today we would call your name, Yahweh. We'll get back to the original context of it all. Help us to be encouraged in the things that we do this week to live for you is what I ask. And I pray these things in the mighty name of the one who is at the beginning of it all, Yahweh. Amen. If perhaps you are making a decision for the first time to follow Yahweh, I'm going to ask you to text the word LIFE to 250-478-7113. One of our pastors would love to be in a conversation with you to tell you a little bit about this. In moments, as Pastor Tyson said uh, earlier today, but our first steps is about to begin. Maybe you're new to the church, new to faith, you just want to get involved. You can come over there with us for a few moments today. We'd love to tell you a little bit more about what the next steps are for you. And uh, you're more than welcome to come if you haven't registered yet. We've got a group already ready to go. But um, if you're here, you're more than welcome to do it. So head into this week. Say his name one more time. Have a great week, church. We love you. We'll do it next week.